0: Check one, check, check one. All right, everything's back to normal. Time to rock and roll. This is episode 79 Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Welcome to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, your source for motorcycles, mayhem, and misinformation. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone mm-hmm. figure out the thing. Dang. is leaping down the street every time. And After isn't that down. funny how people say not to be an asshole, yeah, but you're going to on to be an asshole. You're 41 and started a race career. My skin met the asshole. But these new ki- new ways kit my... I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. I have to stop talking shit. <laughs> All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine... Right. Technically, all chaps are asses, right? Oh. Brap it, son. Brap it. All right, everybody. This is episode 79 of the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Once again, your weekend relief? I don't know. Is it really? Is it really your weekend relief? I think most people probably listen to this on Mondays. Uh, hey. Welcome to episode 79. I felt like I just spent so long rebooting episode 78. I thought that would be a quick knock out of the park, but with me, nothing ever is. And as a side note, I just ran across, uh, found some old like super dinosaur recording equipment that I had used a long time ago uh, for ideas and song ideas and whatnot and uh the very had one of the very first recordings I made when I started the show, and <laughs> it was kind of like a note to self, you know, and I was like, "Oh, I just spent editing the last thirteen minutes of the show, and it took five hours. yep, that's how the show used to go before I really had it down pat uh thirteen minutes would take five hours, so you go figure, I try to make these around an hour and a half to an hour and forty minutes." uh you break that down into 13 minute increments and then multiply that by 5 hours uh those were not there's a reason why the first couple came out like in two week uh two week gaps rather than back to back so anyways uh i still do put a lot of editing into these and uh talking about it uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it in this week's show episode or uh segment. Uh, first off the bat, I wanted to say, I will say first off the bat, I need to say out of the gate or off the line. How's that? We'll put it in motorcycle terms from now on. Um, so off the line, I wanted to say happy father's day. Most of you are going to be listening to this, uh, Like I said, Saturday, Sunday, maybe Monday, we're getting into the time of year where there's going to be a lot of backyard barbecues, uh, wrench fests, uh, barbecues. What a wrench fest is, is where you and your buddies sit around and you say you're going to work on your bike um, and then you sit around wrenching, I mean, uh, drinking beers or cocktails, uh, talking about other stuff. And that doesn't, that's not just for men, that's for women too. I know you guys get together Bling, bling, edited out a big yawn there. Anyway, you guys get together and talk about everything else. You know, you barely pick up a wrench. You pick up a a 12-ouncer or a uh, Bloody Mary more than you pick up. That's what a wrench fest is. Uh, To get back on topic, if that's what you guys are doing this week or uh, over the next few weeks, a summer kicks in, uh, maybe play this show in the background. Golly, no wonder it takes so long to edit. I keep having to edit out every single yawn I do it's early guys it's early and I need daddy needs a cup of good morning america to get him going uh all right hey Let's. um, there's a few things I'm just going to go I'm going to try this week different hopefully there's not that many outtakes and I haven't been doing a sorry list lately I guess I really needed to for last episode I I felt like after uh, recording that I didn't do a very good job that's why episode 78 got the reboot Uh, if you go back and listen see if you can spot the differences did you listen to the first uh, episode or the first version of it Um, if you did go back and see if you can see what I changed Uh, I will tell you right off the bat, that I added some more uh, local flat track stuff. I really want to focus on the local h- hooligan national hooligan Harley hooligans national. God damn it, I want to focus on the uh hooligan super hooligan national flat track series. God damn it, that took me so long to say. It is early. Let me get a cup of coffee real quick. All righty, we're back. My coffee maker will only play if that last sound effect is going there. The rocket ship. That's uh, that's basically how it sounds. All right, everybody. uh, Juiced up. Getting juiced up. Getting ready to start this show off. There's a few things. I'm just going to run through this list here. Um, Not going to try and do any crazy notes. Overproduce it like I normally do. I'm just going to kind of go off of this list. So this may be a very, very short episode. As a matter of fact, episode over. Five minutes in. Let's cut... (laughs) cut this out right here uh so i of course i always love to talk well and it's like helium apparently i always love to talk about uh flat track and it's just because uh to me i hate nascar for some reason i never liked nascar when i used to autocross or do track days uh one thing i did not ever look forward to was just going to a track and driving around in a car and so i never did it never really watched nascar mm. I guess I bought some collectibles way, way, way back. Uh, in oh i don't know i don't know what year it was that i bought but you know a lot of people had little nascar collectibles which i thought was kind of cool and that's when nascar was just getting into its heyday like right before junior entered and uh jeff gordon was like the big dude i had a card that said dick trickle on it and i had a laugh because that's like aside from like fuzzy boners or something that's like the funniest name for a racer dick trickle um and then there's a there's a racer named Rusty Pipes uh, that races motocross. So that's kind of funny. I think his name is Russell Pipes, but he goes by Rusty, something like that. Uh, But Dick Trickle, man, what an unfortunate name. I think – I I don't think it was him. I think it was like Mark Martin that ended up doing the Viagra commercials. But imagine Dick Trickle doing the Viagra commercials. Ooh, boy. Uh, So anyways, yeah, way back then is when I – he just even collected the NASCAR stuff. Hated cars going around in circles, thought it was so boring. Had a coworker that I was I actually had a replica truck, uh, NASCAR series truck of Dale Earnhardt Jr., you know, number eight on the side. Um, thing looked legit, handled like crap. Well, how do I know that? Because he let me take it to a track once. <laughs> i took this v8 stinker and it had oh it's uh you know it's pre-stock oh okay you know i need to know what it is so i can run it you know i need to know exactly what class i'm gonna fit in here Uh, it was at an autocross track and uh you know took it down to the course and like didn't know where i was gonna fit in just gonna run street unlimited with it which was like the catch-all class and uh oh open up the thing uh you got an MSD ignition in there, dude. You got like a and n in there, dude. You got like, uh, I think his suspension might have been lowered or something. He didn't have, I don't know. There was nothing really dialed in, you know, because he didn't, he didn't really race it. It was just a replica because he loved NASCAR. And this dude was all about the NASCAR. He knew all the points. He knew all the people were going to win. He was probably in like 17 pools. Uh, crazy Mexican dude, too. So you'd think that he would be into like... I don't know. This is maybe a total stereotype, but like Baja 1000s type stuff. And he's like, nah, you know, I don't dig that stuff. And uh, just the NASCAR. So I thought, wow, this is really interesting. I have zero interest in stuff going in circles, whether it's NASCAR, IndyCar, nothing. But I always have loved flat track. I don't know why. I can't tell you what the difference is. Uh, even sprint cars and stuff stock cars going around dirt sprint cars i mean everybody loves to see uh the like those crazy sprint cars and the wings you know the battle of the wings they love to see those guys crash cuz they always touch their open wheel you know things with just a wing for a roof probably got like 20,000 pounds of downforce people love to watch those things cuz when they catch a wheel they flip and you know oh they just it's a yard sale right Uh, But even those aren't very exciting to watch for me. But for whatever reason, I'm going to say it one more time. I love flat track. And I think it's just because I like to see, uh, you know, you're so used to seeing dirt, your motocross stuff. Uh, I know those guys are pretty awesome, too. I love watching bikes jump. I love watching them wrap really quickly around the berms, like the berm tracks and stuff. I think it's really cool. And I love road racing, God, I love road racing cars uh p- bikes um God, what else have I watched road race uh formula e oh I went out to dinner the other night and formula e was on that is super interesting to me um just because the strategy involved is a l and the racing is a little bit closer than formula one um but yeah i can I can watch anything road race basically except for you know people I wouldn't want to watch people but I might even watch bikes if they had a like a bicyclist going around like a, a car, go-kart track or something. I might even watch that if it was crazy enough. But road racing, I just love. And it's because I know that feeling from carving canyons, from racing cars. I love the G-forces. Um, now, not necessarily G-forces like from drag racing, although I love drag racing. And we'll talk about our COTS crew uh, in a few minutes here but the the constant back and forth g forces of car that's why I love canyon riding so much and oh I don't know so flat track has a little bit of both I think for me it has the dirt it has bikes doing things they probably shouldn't be able to do uh you know given the coefficient of friction of tire on dirt and the power uh you know a lot of stuff happening there uh you know, you you see lots of hipsters on their bikes doing dirt burnouts, yet the flat track dudes can bounce it around corners. Uh, you know, literally bouncing sideways around corners, and you love to watch the MotoGP guys slide through the turns, backing it in as it were. Like, and the Supermoto. If you don't really pay attention to Supermoto or haven't seen Supermoto, um. Whether you're into road racing or supercross, it's a mix of the two, right? Or motocross. It's like a mix of the two. And watching them back in those bikes is pretty cool because you see it happen on MotoGP. You see it happen in motocross and supermotos do it like basically it's kind of a mix of the two in one uh, race, one class. Um, And so dirt tracks, that same sort of thing, they're backing it in, they're sliding around. And the fact that it's on an oval doesn't really matter to me. I I think I like that better because you can see... Similar to Supercross, you can see all the action right there in front of you. You don't need a huge, I love, the reason I love Supercross and Motocross, uh, you can see most of the tracks uh, depending on what what Motocross track you're at, but for, you know, like Arena Cross and Supercross, you can definitely see most of the track there. And with Flat Track, it's the same way, even on the mile tracks. um, You know, you you won't be able to see the whole thing uh, from where you are usually, but... You will definitely be able to still see the tops of their heads depending on how the infield is and how high up you are. You can see most of it even at a mile track. So I think that's why part I love flat track. The other reason I love it is because most of the I've you know, never been to like a huge national track where you're way off the track. I've mostly been to local events and uh, like super hooligan events and stuff like that, even the Ivy league events where you are back up off the track, you're still close enough to smell the gas and taste the dirt in your teeth afterwards. And that's why I love it. It's visceral. It's up close. It's there. And it's a combination of all the cool things about every other style of writing. And even though it's in a circle, it's no, it's not NASCAR. They do have some of the same sort of stuff, like rubbing his race in. When the people crash, they are so close together, they just tend to really pile up or uh, devastate themselves. When they, you know, when they overcome the the you know the G forces, basically overcome the available traction, people fly. Unfortunately, recently there's been a few deaths, but um, for the most part, it's. I don't know, there's for as many times as people crash, there's a lot less people that get seriously hurt. It's almost, uh, it's really an interesting dynamic, but one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I've been thinking about the last few days is dirt track and, you know, doing it, the traction, um, the motors, uh, this and that. So I kind of want to do, I kind of want to talk about that definitely uh want to talk about cots in this episode because last week's episode our the we did like a recap of the rsd up in uh you know at the wir in wisconsin wisconsin international raceway our wir top 10 group and boy right after their round racing the rsd racing for their group they went down to cots to check out uh you know, the king of the streets racing down at the Union Grove. And that's like the Midwest's craziest, no prep street racing. And I want to talk about that. I also wanted to talk about traction and uh, motors. And I think I might keep it to flat track for this episode, just because that's like a tangent you can go way down on. And uh, there's a few other little things that I've seen on social media and whatnot that I'd love to yip and yap about. So let's do that here on this show. Let's take a little break. It's 15 minutes in. I'm going to go get another cup of coffee. I've edited out like four yawns already. You go ahead and get yourself a little drinky as well. If you're at a barbecue, grab another brewski. Uh, if you're a teetotaler, grab yourself some flavored uh, tea <laughs> and or water. And, uh, yeah, if you're going to bed, uh, take your, take your Salmon X or whatever you're taking and, uh, one shot of whiskey. Go, go goodnight. All right. Let's uh, take a little break. Hey, everybody. We're super excited for our friends of the show, Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugees. You may remember way back in episode 16, Josette was on the show. Well, a lot's happened since then. Starting November 25th, you can pre-order their new EP, Live at the Black House, put out by Black House Records. This limited edition vinyl comes with five previously unreleased new tracks, and every copy comes with a download card for a good free sixth track. This album was also recorded on an old reel-to-reel for that authentic vintage sound check them out at blackhouseinc.storenvy.com johnnyjswing.com or blackhouserecordsinc.com and if you love motorcycles and good music you're not going to want to miss johnny J and the flatfoot Fugies. so mark your calendars and pre-order on november 25th 2016. <clears throat> oh, excuse me all right we're back Got a little bit of juice in me and a little bit of grub, a little bit of gas, and a little bit of oil. All right. Well, hey, by the way, thanks, Johnny J and the Flatfoot Flugies. That That uh, ad was for their record that came out November 25th of last year. But you could still get yourself a vinyl. And thanks for everybody that participated in Solstice Slam this year. Excuse me. God, now I'm in a burp everywhere. Sorry, guys. Anyways, yeah, Johnny J and the Flatfoot Fluji is playing Car lane this weekend that this is going to drop uh, up in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and uh, Swing Fest, Classic Car Fest, there's probably going to be motorbikes, stuff like that. Check out uh, 59cafe.com also just check out to see when their bike nights are going to be now that the weather has warmed up there in the uh, northern hemisphere of the northern United States um by the way, Idaho isn't that northern a north of Canada like my geography is terrible uh in, at any rate yeah the weather is doing a lot better up there and the you know music scene they've already done a few things this year they keep posting a video from the M- uh, inland Empire swing that they did up there um, and another jazz show that they did and now Carter Lane's coming up so yeah if you get a chance check them out. Greg, if you listen to this, if you've found this, uh, my co-worker, go check him out. I know you like this. All right. And give me a call. You never call anymore. All right. Anyways, uh, let's get into some racing. That music can only mean one thing. Either it's the 80s or we're going to talk some flat track. Oh, well, that's what I thought. We're going to talk flat track, aren't we? So this week, the American Flat Track Grand, or, well, the National Series, uh, rolls into Remington Park for the Oklahoma City Mile and wouldn't you like to know exactly where that is I don't know hundred percent where it is myself uh, but yeah anyway they are headed headed to the uh, Oklahoma City mile presented by Indian motorcycle in Oklahoma City Oklahoma that's a lot of Oklahoma's uh, like oklahoma uh that's june 17th june 24th the lima half mile presented by indian motorcycle last year presented by the meese family jared and nicole uh i think sponsored that or promoted that last year which is kind of cool this is before the big aft rework so uh, i think they might have had the uh the ability to do that. And then July 8th, they're taking a break for the July 4th weekend, July 8th. Uh, they're going to be at rolling heel hill, rolling wheels, half mile in, um, Elbridge, New York. And then heading out this way, Calistoga, California, July 29th for the Calistoga half mile. After that, they're going to be at the Buffalo chip TT, um at Sturgis and that's going to be a really exciting one and I'm not 100% sure if the TT is only going to be for the singles this year Uh, I'm really actually was a little bit confused because I thought that the the twins would be doing that as well um no yeah it says right here the twins are going to be at the Buffalo Chip TT that's super cool I'm super excited about that um partially because I believe that the, uh, Harley Davidson, the, uh, grand national super hooligan, uh, national championship is going to be there as well, uh, on August 9th, uh, probably as a backing class. So I'm really going to pump, I'm going to pump that. If you listen to my reboot of last episode, uh, I threw in some info in there about the class, who's racing it. It's, uh, put on by Roland Sands. It's, uh, In my opinion, it's pretty cool that uh, Roland Sands, starting in 2016, I believe, uh, established this Grand National Championship for Hooligans, and that's really what's got Flat Track back on the map. If you listen to my shows last year, I talked about it. I was always talking about Ivy League, um, because that's mostly who I went to their stuff, and all was talking about the racing, and now this year everybody is almost every single podcast that has to deal with motorcycling and racing that's not specifically MotoGP or something like that is talking about the flat tracks, and uh, I'm pretty excited. I blame Roland Sands and uh, people like Chris Wiggins and uh, the Wardada brothers from Suicide Machine Company and uh, Mark from Rusty Butcher mark atkins so uh if you go back a few couple episodes ago i think it was 74 maybe 74 uh that was our interview with chris wiggins and um yeah he he kind of gives you a a heads up on how the hooligan thing started and then the next thing you know boom they are they're everywhere uh oddly enough uh let me tangent off the uh, aft series here for a second oddly enough back in 2013 i believe is when the yamaha bolt was uh introduced to market if i'm not mistaken uh 2013 it was a very new looking motorcycle pretty cool uh sort of modular frame not really modular wasn't quite a thing like not with the bmw r9ts and all that great stuff although i think they did have r9t prototypes before they called it the r9t and those were out pre-13 i think it was like right around there like 11 or 12, maybe even 13. But I think the R9T came out in 2014. So this modular frame idea was kind of coming together then. And there was a, they had the star build-off. That's before, uh, you know, last year, Yamaha quit calling their stuff star. That was the last year of the star stuff last year. This year, they're just uh, Yamaha Cruisers, and um, th- if the name says Star, like V-Star or whatever, it just it doesn't matter. They don't have a separate brand. Kind of like how Toyota has Lexus, um, Yamaha had Star, um, Suzuki had their Boulevard stuff, um, but I don't think they ever had just a name called Boulevard. So they rolled all those back in, and their last hurrah was this Star Biker build-off. And when the Bolt came out that year to to kick it off, uh, they had a Bolt build-off challenge sort of thing. And I'll be damned if there weren't like, I don't know, five, yeah, probably five or six scramblers and street trackers back then. Uh, this is pre-Ducati scrambler. This is pre-like really hipster. Like nowadays, like in the last like three years, Um, everything went crazy. Scram! Everything's got to be a scrambler with no butt, no ass end on it anymore. But back then, the street trackers were pretty, pretty good. Um, making them out of those bolts and stuff. So that right after that, that was what I say, thirteen, and then fourteen. Ivy League at the end of fourteen, I think, is when he got his start. Brian Bell started it. Fifteen definitely had a good run. A bunch of stuff went down in fifteen um off of there they had like a five or six series showdown in uh 14 just to get him rolling and then 15 it blew up And then last year holy shit like last year he went crazy um and then so yeah like all this stuff kind of culminated right around then and where was I going where the hell did I even start with this let me go back and listen to the tape and see why where I'm taking myself here that's what it was. So the whole point I was making by going off on that crazy tangent there was the fact that, uh, Ivy League and everybody that built bikes, Roland Sands, that built built bikes for the Bolt, uh, Star Biker Build-Off and the Faster Sons, all that bullshit, uh, and Ivy League, RSD partnered with Ivy League and, uh, got their stuff going down at the Del Mar, uh, the arena down there, right? RSD has been a big part of that ever since they got Ivy league off the ground. It's been like a, like a hand in glove sort of thing and a partner ever since. And I don't believe that the AFT would, uh, American flat track series would be going or would have even scheduled a TT for the Buffalo chip had, uh, Roland Sands design. And I Forget I pardon me I forget if Ivy League was part of it but I don't remember them having their name on it but the uh, Moto Stampede that happened at the Sturgis Buffalo Chip last year and uh, I think that it's a big part of the 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 grassroots stuff that really got you know that really helped people take this grassroots movement apply it to flat track get people interested and you can say hipster or cool or whatever it is but it's really uh just a new set of eyes coming to it right now and uh i don't think they would be having a tt this year at sturgis had rsd and the guy's not done it last year and i watched it last year it was a uh it wasn't part of the um It wasn't part of the national series, but you look at everything. Uh, Brad Baker was there. Um, We had people like, well, obviously, Roland Sands was there. He got a bunch of flack for driving an Indian off the stage. Uh, Cameron Brewer was there. I forget if J.D. Beach was there, and I forget uh Robert Pandya. If you don't know who he is, he is a uh, the spokesman for India. He's uh, Indian. Did I say India? He's not the spokesman for India. But when I first started going to the uh IMS shows in Long Beach, Robert Pandya was the spokesman for Advanstar, or uh I'm not. Yeah, they were the. They're who puts on the Progressive International Motorcycle Shows. Advan stars the company I think they changed the name to UBM he was their spokesman then he went over to oh gosh victory I think I think I saw him at victory for a couple of years. And obviously now he's at Indian. I think he might have even been with Triumph one year. Why do I think I saw him walking around in that rep and Triumph one year? But anyway, saw so, you know, he's he's been in the industry for a long time as a spokesman for several different uh companies and brands, and, and he was there as part of the Indian uh crew. You know, he's a spokesman for Indian now, and so he was there racing. Um God, it was so cool. I watched it on Facebook Live actually And that's like also the first time where they did something smart, like took Facebook Live and applied it to something really cool. Like, you know, let's show this uh, grassroots race. Uh, Carrie Hart was there, I think, too. Um, So there really were there were a lot of people there uh, that really, you know, grassroots, but big names, you know, showing that it was the real deal. You know what I mean, and as a result, American Flat Track is taking it there. They're taking this new twins format there, as well as the singles, and they're doing a TT. Thank you, Roland Sands, for uh, encouraging that. So, getting back to the uh, flat tracks and all the good stuff, um, we will see the uh, the twins. And we will see the singles racing on the track. Uh, it's kind of funny because it's only a couple days apart from the mile, right? I believe the uh, the TT is on the 6th and the the half mile is on the ninth. I said the mile. I meant half mile. Um, yeah, they're doing like the Black Hills half mile, I think, right after that. Now they will have apparently two days. Buffalo Chip TT is on the 6th. The Harley Davidson Black Hills half mile is on the 8th. And then they go to the Peoria TT, and that's what I wanted to talk about this week. Oh my god, I just edited it out like 15 minutes of blabbing because it started to put me to sleep. But anyway, Peoria TT coming up on the schedule, and I wanted to mention that uh, there was a there was a, a, a week with no no nationals, right? And what happened is Peoria had a little race there. It wasn't part, obviously, of the national tour. Excuse me, but um, yeah, there was a little a little TT there. They've redone the Peoria TT, and if you go to peoriamotorcycleclub.net, I believe is Peoria's uh, website, there is their logo there. Now, the part that encompasses the words Peoria Motorcycle Club that blue. Uh, part is what the track used to look like, and they've made changes partially because of all the the fact that they're racing twins there now. And some of the writers and fans were disgruntled, and I'd been reading all over Facebook and social media. Uh, all everybody just upset. Why are they changing it? Oh, this blah 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 blah. Here's my thing, man. The Peoria TT has been there. Peoria Motorcycle Club has been running TT since 1938. Uh, people have been racing Harley Davidson motorcycles and Indian motorcycles and big V-Twins, uh, Triumph, BSA, whatever have you. And little ones, but still heavy since uh, the 19 early 1900s. And they've been only riding singles and jumping singles there uh f- even if it's 20 or 30 years, a lot less uh, longer than they've been doing it on twins. So, to make a big hubbub about racing and it's bad for this and it's bad for that, a little bit unfounded to me. Uh, Henry Wiles was, uh, recently did an interview on Pit Pass Moto Weekly, and he was talking about the other things that they could have done to retain it, and I'm not 100% sure uh, you know, if this is the original layout that it's had since 1931, so there's a lot of heritage and history and prestige behind it, and don't change it. But I don't think that's—I think it's probably changed uh, over the over the years. How many years is that? Like 125. My math is super bad, 1931 to 2018. Oh, that's 435. Uh, So, yeah, over the last uh, half a century that Peoria has been around, I doubt that they've kept that exact same configuration. So my point being that uh, they're it's fine to change it. They've probably changed it over the years. And the thing is, is that for the twins to, to race their last year, dominant calendars really took a spill there. Um, I watched that race. I didn't see the, the, uh, the accident when it happened. And I think it was during practice or a semi or something like that. And so they didn't really, or at least I didn't see it on fans choice. Um, but I since then seen, uh, images on, uh, YouTube and stuff like that of his crash there. And he comes off that jump and drops a back tire and let me describe the track. If you've never seen Peoria, if this is your first year watching the TT, you're not going to see the old track. But the the old track. Oh, geez, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm punching. I'm fighting with the microphone here. It's it uh, needs needs a little smacking. Uh, so anyway, like I said, the the track looks like the blue part of their logo. It, d- it did look like the blue part of their logo, and it's got a small, short, tight radius turn on one end. That's exactly, well, approximately half the radius of the turn on the other hand. so it's like a hairpin compared to like the big uh, sweeper that they slide around on the other side now when you come down that one side is a long straight and the other side has the left right and jump in it right that, that comprises a TT so the deal is you were coming down the straight away the short straight and then the, you you kind of turn to the right or I'm sorry you turn to the left a little bit there's a jump. And then you land and turn to the right, and then you go down the another the rest of the straightaway into this little short hook turn, right? So the deal is on the right side of the track, coming down the short straightaway toward the jump. There's already a chain link fence on the right hand side, ready to gobble up your handlebar and send you flying. And I've seen it happen a few times. And I've seen a few guys push out to the grass, right on that, you know, the foot or so of grass, maybe two feet of grass between the actual track and the chain link fence. It looks crazy. And to be flying down that as fast as you can, like 80 miles an hour, I'm not 100% sure what the top speeds are, but I think it was around 80 80 miles an hour there. Uh, Next to a chain link fence uh, is nuts having guys bump and bang into you all the way down, right? Then you got to start turning left as you hit this jump. So a lot of the guys go off the left side of the jump and then you land And try to turn in the air because as soon as you land, you're turning back right. Lots of stuff can go wrong. That's actually how Dominic Calendris got hurt. I think Sammy Halbert slammed there one year. Uh, There's been a few guys to go get hit or get bumped or land really shitty uh, going down that thing. And this is on 450s. This isn't even on twins. And they just get thrown like ragdolls. It's terrible. And, um, you know, when you make it, you make it and it's all great and grand, but when you don't, it's pretty tragic. And a lot of, a lot of guys got hurt there last year. I think there was like four injuries there last year. I think Brad Baker might've hurt his wrist there or broke his wrist. Uh, forget fractured it. Maybe, uh, like I said, dominant calendars had a spinal injury and he's still recovering. I don't think he's raced since, but he might've been, he might be on a bike again, but I don't, uh, I think I read that he sat on his bike or something, but we're talking like crazy, serious spinal injury that happened last year. Like we're, we're a year into it and he's still recovering. Um, yeah. Uh, some other people got concussed and went down in that uh, the hook turn. So, I mean, it's a crazy track already on 450s. Now you're going to throw twins into it. So, I, I think they needed to change it. And what they did is this year, what you're going to see, uh, you know, Henry Wiles and Meese showed up to race it. The two guys that don't need to practice there, right? They're, they're the two uh, among a handful of others that showed up to race it uh, and get kind of a preview of the new layout. So, now, as you're coming down toward the jump, instead of literally jumping and turning in the air, you know, setting up off of a left-hand turn jump to go right. Uh, There's a little jump beforehand as you're coming down uh, that's right before where the old jump used to be. And it's like a little roller jump, and it helps you scrub a little bit of speed, I guess. And then you land, and then you do the big jump, and then you land and do the left, kind of like left-right turn. It's sort of like it used to be last year, but it... Feel uh, from the onboard footage from Henry Wiles' camera, it looked a lot more in line. You're not jumping and turning in the air anymore, and uh, you're not jumping like at a weird angle. You're not going to land crossed up. You're not going to drop a wheel. And uh, in his interview, he mentioned that, you know, there's other options they could have done. the the the, uh, the, hill, the track is built on an embankment, and so if you imagine a hill coming down, uh, like into a valley, that's where the track is built is on the valley floor, and then that jump used to be built into the hill. So you would have bank, then flat spot where the track was, and then bank down into the infield, and that's where your that your jump was a natural part of the embankment, sort of. And so that's why when you drop the tire or something, you could really lose it because your bike would start to go down you know, into the infield and the tire would slip. There was zero runoff. You had to get that jump, right? So Henry Wiles was saying, well, they could have added more runoff maybe and made a safe place for guys to, to land and go straight down into the infield. Um, or like to, you know, sand pit or something there gravel trap gravel pit sort of thing where you just have some runoff to even if you fall down into you you're not just like dropping a tire and losing it or getting uh, caught and crossed up and flipping over that jump cuz everybody's trying to turn over it um and incidentally banging bars right there so it'll be really interesting to see it this year um the, I don't know if I, I mentioned this already in the part that I cut out. Wiles took out Meese uh, during that race, um, and it really Meese just ran over his foot and it like knocked him up into Henry his handlebar into Henry Wiles' arm or something like that, and he just went down. Rubbin's race and they call him the Jammer for a reason, and uh, Hammer and Hank Wiles for a reason. So they just got into each other. But Mees got a taste of his own medicine, man. He got jammed, and uh, so it was interesting seeing that this year Henry Wiles may not run away with it. He just took fourteen podiums there. Uh, I think he passed Chris Carr's record last year. Um, and the fact that him and Mees were going toe to toe in this last corner uh, proves that either a the racing is going to be a lot tighter, and it's uh, and they needed to slow it down and make it safer for the twins, which is going to make better racing. Uh, which is counterintuitive. When you think of going slow means better, you know, better for racing uh, and a little bit more competitive, you know, so it's kind of cool. Everybody's saying, oh, we hate seeing Indian win every year. We hate seeing Indian win. And that's sort of the same way I felt about seeing Henry Wiles win the, Peoria TT 14, you know, times in a row. So kind of interesting. So we'll see how this year pans out and you'll get a brand new glimpse at the track uh, in just a few weeks here. So that'll be pretty cool. Pretty interesting. And I cut five minutes off of my last ramble. Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Are you looking for some cool stuff for that biker in your life? don't know where to look for it, don't know what a bike is, but you know they like motorcycles, go to dailybikerstore.com. That's dailybikerstore.com. Don't let those back-to-back asses trip you up, son. Listen, Daily Biker Dan has curated and created some of the best motorcycle-related gifts out there on the internet that are handmade by a friendly, handsome Australian. Daily Biker Dan, the very, very... Notebook that I use to do show notes in for this show is the daily Biker Dan creation. He has got a whole slew of new designs, a whole bunch of new Harley stuff went up there. He's got some really cool sport bike stuff up there. He has digital downloads. A lot of this stuff, the stickers, the digital downloads for coloring, a lot of this stuff is less than 2 bucks American. And you can get the new 33-page adult coloring book. It's not adult because it's nudies. It's adult because it's motorcycles, baby. Uh, 33 pages of glorious, intense artwork. He's got fine art prints. He's got wrapping paper, birthday cards, Father's Day cards. Like I said, stickers, digital downloads, notebooks. He's even got pillowcases you got an office that needs some artwork hey buy one of his fine prints and frame that baby he's got large, medium, small you know what, what what does he need to do what does he need to just do I need to buy you something and and ship it to you in order for you to see the quality he's got candles, candy tins he's got just about everything and it's all made by our buddy Daily Biker Dan sweetest Australian man you will ever know go over to dailybikerstore.com today Or tomorrow. Oh, time to get down with some funk. You know what? Speaking of funk and getting down, I want to tell you a little bit about what happened last weekend with our friends at the WIR Top 10 Motorcycles. That's not what it's called, but that's what I'm going to call it. Listen, listen, our our WIR group, you know, we've had three of them on the show. Uh... And then one of them won salsa Slam. So these guys are prolific. They were out in force last weekend. Okay, we covered all the smack talking two weeks ago, right? We even had Mr. Singh on like a few days before. They had their second round of grudge racing at Wisconsin International Raceway for the WIR Top 10 Bikes RSD uh, Senior Class and Stock Wheelbase Drags. If you don't follow that, You haven't been listening to the show long enough. Go to WIR's top 10 bikes on Facebook. Check it out. You'll see birds, tacos, and trash talking. That's the three things you need to know. All right. So they had their second round racing. There was a lot of movement on the senior list and on the stock wheelbase based uh, class list. Lots of stuff happened. Lots of stuff went down. Lots of people, lots of unlikely heroes, I, I should say, or maybe likely. Um, Michelle Mankiewicz, congrats, girl. We love the fact that you were up there on top and stayed up there. Uh, and that was uh, the week pri- weekend prior to COTS. If you're unfamiliar with COTS, it stands for Kings of the Street. It is supposedly the galaxy's largest no-prep heads-up drag racing event. It gets nuts. Like people are down there, uh it's like a it's like a 4th of July party in Flavor Flav's neighborhood. Like people setting fireworks off in other people's houses, like little kids out there dancing uh doing the jerk on people's hoods and stuff. It, it, while they're lining up, it's cars, bikes, rocket shit I think it's like whatever you could drag race as long as it's crazy. Uh you go there well this year there was like no extreme bike class or they hadn't been in a while jason goldmeyer who organizes the WIR top 10 list bikes got together with some people to organize a an extreme bike list for cots and they locked in threw down some hard work, hard-earned uh monies that they did you know slaving away at their maid business i'm <laughs> just kidding guys uh i know none of you were maids But you're very clean. Anyways, uh, so yeah, if you check it out, you know, just go down there and uh, realize what, what these guys put into the WIR Top 10 series. And then imagine that, like, times 40 for cots, you know what I mean? And then you got, like, a crowd of, like, 100 people down there crowding you on the drag strip. Like, they let you go down there basically... Like in the water box, you're probably getting pieces of rubber flung and sticking to your face and body uh, when people are doing their burnouts to get ready. I mean, that's how close they let the crowds get for this stuff. Um, you know, if it was like Cots Extreme, which I think they probably have, they probably let you stand at the end of the drag strip and catch the vehicles to <laughs> slow them down. I just let me quit talking shit here and get into what really happened. The reason I'm the reason I'm stalling is because I'm like kind of nervous to to talk about all this stuff. Um, I don't want to leave anything out. Uh, so our favorite people went. Um, Nitrous Chris, Ryan Skiba, Jake Ross, Jason Goldmeier. Um I can't think of who else from the top 10 crew was there, and that's why I didn't really want to do this without getting all the info. Sorry if I missed somebody, guys. You can, you can uh, beat my ass in person one day. But here's how it went down. Singsime, right off the line, Uh, got knee surgery three days before Cots. Could barely bend his fucking leg, and here he goes out at Cots, and uh, with a big old swollen, puffy leg. I don't know how he squeezed it into his leathers. Just a bunch of Crisco and a couple spatulas, I'm guessing. Uh, Gets into his leathers, says that you know it wasn't feeling too great, but by the uh, time race race uh, time came around. He could bend it a little bit, so he was just going to do a leg out run if he had to. That is hardcore, right? I'm telling you. And then he said he – I think he said he felt some stitches pull. Um, I've got Chris's uh, – let me get Chris's um, message to me up here in a minute. But, yeah, dude, the the action was intense. I mean, the competitors – our our guys, the WIR Top 10 guys were – are pretty hardcore spending every you know eating top ramen and bologna sandwiches so that they can afford to to get down just amongst their group now uh let's take that over to you know a cots midwest you know the big like the biggest showdown in the midwest and uh you know imagine what some of those guys are throwing down so here chris tells me uh you know Knee surgery three days before a big race. I've made better and worse decisions. True that. I I was just like, oh, my God, dude, what the hell? Uh, When I read that, I was thinking, you are a glutton for punishment, my friend. He also, uh, right before the um, WIR list race, was talking about how he was messing around with the 85. Uh, you know, if you listen to the show before last week, um, episode 77, uh, he was talking about, you know, he had just messed around with the 85 He had just learned to map his own uh, fuel maps. If you know Chris, he, his name is Nitrous Chris for a reason. Uh, and it's because he uses nitrous. So he's got fuel maps, like nitrous maps. He's got maps of uh, everybody's secret whereabouts, maps of the Kremlin. Like, this dude's got maps, okay? Um, and so he just learned to tune all that stuff on his ECU. Uh, I don't even think he sprayed uh, when he raced the the uh, WIR uh, list. So here he is going to COTS, you know, the craziest, uh like, outlaw drag thing in the, in the Midwest at this time of year. There's another one going to happen in the fall, I think. But he goes there with, like, no idea what the nitrous maps are going to do and, you know, just flashed to z c u himself. You know, let's see how this goes down. So it says, uh, let me see on the plus side. Oh, yeah, I might I might try to make my first round pass if I can get my foot to the peg. It's Kotz, motherfucker. That's their That's their deal. Like, I'm telling you, it's hardcore there. Uh, so Michelle is the one and only rider backup that will, uh, do as good or better than me. And then that was before caught. So if he can get his foot to the peg, he'll make a pass. So nitrous kiss says, Oh man, Kotz was a wild ride. Oh my God. My eyes are starting to mess up. I'm sorry, guys. Kotz was a wild ride. Uh, I got there Friday night to get a good shaded spot for Saturday It was near 80 degrees Friday, and it dropped to 56 at night. So I'd hoped to sleep outside, uh, but it was a bit chilly for my skin. I didn't make any test pass attempts because I couldn't bend my knee real good yet. Now imagine, he's literally like uh, three days off of knee surgery, and he didn't take any... um, you know pain pillars Vicodins, or nothing like that for it so chris is hardcore guys uh so yeah here he here he says uh he didn't make any passes because he couldn't get his freaking knee uh bend it so i couldn't bend my knee real good yet and the tune in the bike was questionable uh i didn't want to hurt it before the big show so here i am a stitched up puffy knee crammed in the passenger seat of my truck with a sleeping bag, and I slept for about four hours total. Woke up Saturday, and my knee felt pretty good. I iced it for a bit, and got the pit situation set for the day. It was a thousand degrees out, and no shit, at least 30 mile an hour winds all day. You, That's reflected in the videos, and everybody talked about it. Everybody was talking about how all the easy ups were blown away, and like people were just scrambling. It was like tornado bullshit, only on a clear hot day. Um, Thousand degrees, I believe it, especially when you're in race leathers. So, uh, what does he say? Uh, 30 mile an hour wind all day. I elected against the easy up for shade since there were ones getting destroyed all over and I scored a pit spot near a tree that would have shade by noon. So, he planned that out pretty good. Uh, I tried to get Michelle to commit to racing my bike and she forced me to do it or I would regret it. Michelle, you... You know, you're like a good mom. You just know what's what, what's right for everybody and what they should do. And I think that was a good move. He would have regretted it. If you had won, he would have regretted it because that could have been me. If he would have lost, he would have regret it, regretted it. Like, oh, dude, I put her on a bike. She didn't know I should have raced it. Good, good thinking, Michelle. Good forethought. He said he unloaded it and he went for a ride around the pits. I slowly managed to get my foot to the peg, but I could feel the stitches on one side pulling tight, and I decided it was going to be a one-legged pass for the first round. Uh, When we went out to do the name draws for pairings, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Jason Goldmeyer explains that. I got paired up with my friend Frankie, who was hit head-on by a drunk driver in a truck 10 months ago. Ended up upside down in a swamp with a busted face and a left arm so destroyed that amputation was likely. If the water was four inches higher, he would have drowned. Luckily, they saved his arm so we could have this handicap matchup race. <laughs> LOL, LOL. His bike is the fastest 1000 on the planet, so I had my work cut out. The race went as expected. I was annihilated, but I was so excited. The bike I just learned to tune myself through the ECU just made its f- full first. Full pass on nitrous and it was strong. I just got it to make a full motor pass in the last WYR race in the week prior with some guesswork uh, fuel ignition mapping. So the fact that I made a, a good guess on the nitrous map had me ecstatic that it worked. Franklin and I high-fived and laughed at the end of the race and I got to wear shorts and relax and chill in a chair and eat corn on the cob while watching some awesome racing till the end. My cot. It's experienced by CMFS. Dude, CMFS, I got to tell you, dude, it's crazy. And I asked him, how did, you know, I've I've been reading some of the stuff on the page there on the uh, WIR top 10 uh, bikes list page. Everybody, everybody was talking about how good it felt just to race, even, you know, whether they got beat or not, like just how awesome it felt. And he follows up that with, yeah, I can't even explain how it can feel good to lose so many hurdles and losing by being outgunned always beats, not even trying. And dude, that like, what a crazy true racer that, that guy, they, the WIR top 10 list guys just grab my heart. Every time I hear him talking about this stuff and then they make me want to fart on them. Um, because we're not, we're not buddies like that. They watch birds and eat tacos too much in my opinion. But, uh, let me go over here to Jason Goldmeyer, and uh, him and him and Ryan Skiba gave me a little bit of a, a rundown and uh, there's video, there's all sorts of photos, stuff was still trickling in cause it's only been a, been a week. So the photographers are doing all their editing and stuff is still trickling in. So there's a lot of great stuff. Jason Goldmeyer sent me and a lot of great videos continue to get posted up on the WIR top 10 bikes page. Uh, so here's Goldmeyer. <clears throat> he tells me. Uh, he sent, sent me some really bitching pictures, and he looks fucking strong in this stuff. It looks great. Um, not him, his bike, actually. He's uh, He looks like Jason Goldmeyer. So he says, here's some of my action from Cots. There will be more because, like I said, the photographers are still doing some editing. And uh, so him and Ryan Skiba sent me their account. Jason says, here's how my day went. They pick names from a hat. So that's when Chris said he got his name pairings. That's what he's talking about. They literally pick names out of a hat. Chris got paired up with Frank Frankie Stotts, who is apparently the fastest 1,000 in the land, like he said. Uh, they picked names from a hat. I got picked for a buy run on the first round since there was 11 of us in extreme. Extreme, the only rule is no wheelie bar. And when you get picked for the buy, you don't get to make a pass for some crazy reason. So I had to sit around until 5 o'clock when we ran the second round. So the second round I got matched up with a pro street Hayabusa with a big turbo hanging off the side, big intercooler hanging off the other. He probably makes around 600 horsepower versus my measly 350 horsepower. It's like a David versus Goliath. I did my best. I nailed him on the tree out 60 footed him, but just didn't have the HPs or the TKs to stay out in front of him. The TQs. I'm sorry. The Torques. You don't (laughs) torque doesn't have a K in it. Uh, so, yeah, I just didn't have the horsepowers and torques to stay out in front of him. He's, I'm bummed I lost, but happy because I didn't get beat as bad as I thought I would. A little more time with my bike, and I probably could have beaten him. We'll see for fall. Cuts. Uh That's pretty amazing. Pretty good run. I mean, you know, got got to the second round. I mean, even if you didn't really get a run the first round, um, you still got a buy and got into the second round. Ryan Skiba, I believe, got... Into the second round, um, Ryan says, "I had an incredible weekend with top-notch racers. In round one, I blew the tire loose, going sideways, and rode the bike, uh, rode the bike out, causing me to be six lengths behind him. I ran him down, and I passed him by two bike lengths. If you want to know who he's talking about, he's talking about Cameron." this is going to kill me. Cameron Bowen, I think the guy's name was. The only reason I know is because I just watched the video of it about 10 minutes ago. And yeah, he gets sideways off the line, uh, you know, passing the tree there gets, he's literally going sideways and I couldn't tell if it's because of the wind or not, but he says he blew the tire out sideways. So it looks incredible. Um, it doesn't look like he's I mean when you're six bike lengths behind at that speed these guys are just hauling such ass you can hear the announcer i couldn't really see him anymore because uh, they're getting so far away and tiny in the video but the announcer was like oh my god he's got him and he tells you right there that he passed him literally right before the end to pull two bike lengths on the guy uh that's pretty amazing congratulations ryan my uh condolences to you well not my condolences my congratulations to you that's pretty awesome watching that video was pretty sick i saw exactly what you're talking about not only did you blow out sideways it looked like you were leaning like you rode you were like in one of those crazy houses where things are sideways you know what i mean the perspective was so crazy on that race really cool uh so second round he says second round i was up against the famous money mike Uh, Which I know I've I've heard of Magic Mike. My wife talks about that movie all the time, but I never heard of Money Mike. Uh, So he was up against the famous Money Mike. We both hit the light dead on and came out side by side first uh, through through first gear through second gear. And then my bike fell on its face. I made a rookie mistake trying to push the bottle and ended up running out of nitrous. Money, Mike said he couldn't believe I was right there, and he didn't expect that. Overall, it was one of my best racing experiences, and made lots of friends. Hanging out in the pits was a highlight. So, dude, he had him until basically he just ran out of gas—not gasoline, but sweet, sweet nitrous. And so, yeah, I've been reading all the stuff on COTS. It sounded like there was a lot of money that stots. Uh, a lot of people were talking about Frankie Stotts. Uh, he sounds like a guy we need to get on the show. I mean, that's a incredible. If you listen to episode 77, uh, that person, the special guest on there, her name, I'll just tell you, her name's Amber Mole. She also hit by a drunk driver and uh, overcame that incident to you know, go on and have a fabulous uh, motorcycling lifestyle and career. And so these other guys, too, I mean, to overcome something like that just 10 months ago, and now be here blowing the pants off of SingSime. I watched SingSime's race, and it is unfortunately uh, just sad. SingSime's bike did launch pretty hard, and it sounded good, but he lost by a bit. He, uh, I think I forget how many feet he said he lost by, but it was a few bike lengths. But, yeah, pretty incredible stuff. The Kotz guy is making second round. Jake Ross Uh, There's pictures of him mean mugging the camera. I'm not sure if he got taken out first round, but, uh, yeah, just so much cool stuff. Um, uh, It was just so cool seeing those guys go from, you know, WIR, just their little local group, to, like, Regional, you know what I mean. Doing the extreme class, locking in, paying an exorbitant amount of money for building up their race bike, and then to pay the entry fee to COTS and to put money on the line like that is really cool. So, if you used to like that show Pink's, um, this is, and uh, I forget whatever. I've never watched that Real Street Outlaws show, but uh, there's like a few shows out there. Then, dudes, this is like the real deal. Our friends, if you're hearing my voice, then these people I'm talking about are doing this stuff. Go to WIR Top 10 Bikes and um, check them out. They're, they're all there. Go to creative writingcom You can see their writer profiles and the words that they sent personally to me. Like, I didn't write any of the stuff about them. They wrote it themselves, and you can get to know a little bit about each one of them. All right, one of them that I'd like to talk about. His name is Aaron Shue, and I have a special message for him. This is called The Story of the Cigar Box Guitar. Well, turns out that Aaron Shue submitted some stories. Some of the best stories came this year from Solstice Slam. Thanks, Paul and Eric and Jason and Chris and Aaron and everyone that submitted a story for Solstice Slam this year. It's our annual story contest or picture or artwork. Anything that you want to send in that's motorcycle-related, we judge it. And then uh, we go ahead and gave out some fabulous prizes this year. Fabulous, in my opinion. One of those prizes was a handmade cigar box guitar made by yours truly, played by yours truly on some of the show music here. And I thought, what a cool thing to do to give it away. Well, Aaron won Solstice Slam way back at the end of April I think April or May and uh, after the celebrity judges came through it might have been the beginning of May so we got the whole month of May the whole month of June and now going on half the month of July where's Aaron's guitar? well don't worry guys he won a whole bunch of other stuff he won some stickers he won one of uh, the very first calendar put out by our good friend Dan at Daily Bikers the one, same one I was talking about a few minutes ago um, he won a whole bunch of swag from the IMS show. He won—I'm I'm just saying—he won—he won some stuff. Um, the guitar though, what was with the guitar? Well, our mail person Jim went to mail Aaron's guitar. First of all, uh, the box was not the correct size. We had a box. Uh, for everything else and were able to ship that no problem got that out the same day everybody got their stuff shipped so that was cool as soon as as the winners were determined the very next day all the stuff was going out in the mail and the consolation prizes were being mailed and emailed to the recipients everybody got a a little medal um, for participating but Aaron's guitar needed a special box and uh uh, well let's just say it took about a week to figure that out <laughs> to figure out what size box it needed and how much shipping would be Jim got back to me that at the end of that week saying hey there's there's a problem with shipping well then Jim was out of town for a couple weeks and I told Aaron hey there's something going on with this box we need you get a special box for your guitar we'll try to get it out next week no no problem he says Okay, good. Well, the next week, we buy a box. But apparently, when Jim goes to ship the box, the box is not the right size or not packed correctly. I don't know. Something. There's, there's some weird thing that you have to do, apparently, when you're trying to ship an oblong box with a hand-built cigar box guitar inside for the winner of a Solstice Slam. Put on by a crazy little tiny podcast out of Nowheresville, California. So here's what we did: we complied, we got a different box. Now Jim is out of town. Did I already say he was out of town? So we get a different box, we ship it up. That's actually when Jim went out of town. Uh, took it down to have it mailed. Uh, said this won't work or something like that. Got to me and said something's up at the box. Or not the box, maybe the postage. I forget exactly what it was. But then Jim went out of town. And then I said, oh boy. And I go and I, you know, I can't go get it. I can't figure out what the hell's wrong. Because, um, I, you know, I can't get into Jim's house. And the guitar's over there and everything. So, well... I, I i couldn't get an interview with the post office or you know with ups that's who we're dealing with here and i couldn't get a, a uh, an interview with the post office they're busy they probably don't want to have you know their things on air whatever but once jim gets back to town tells me the postage on the box that's why i didn't send it there was a problem with the postage on it we didn't have enough postage what was it what i mean what's the problem Well, the box was not correct, but the postage to get the box correct is what I was worried about. (laughs) Okay, well, what's the postage? Well, it's going to cost over $100 to ship this thing. And I said, $100 to ship this thing? Shit, boy. It's only worth about $100. Like, we're literally going to pay $100 to ship this to Wisconsin? The, the the box of goodies, and it was pretty hefty. I mean, it was a couple pounds, only cost like $7. This cigar box guitar is a cigar box with uh, a little bit of electronics in it. Like, it, it doesn't even weigh as much as the other prizes that he won. How could this possibly be $100 to ship? Well, it turns out, for processing and box cutting and packing peanuts and all the troubles. Um, Apparently the people at UPS store make like $80 an hour because I could literally do this in about 10 minutes. Uh, So yeah, that's when he said you know, there's a problem with the postage. Um, It was a lot. I go down to UPS. That's when I find all this out. Yeah, the box. Yeah, we got a box here that'll fit that. Um, But we got to cut it oh, well, we couldn't just use the box that we bought that's the right size? No, it's too, like, then it's too big. Like, we don't have a box smaller, but then you get the bigger box and you got to cut it, and then you got to fill it with packing peanuts and then process it, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, $100 later, I take the guitar to the post office. I have them weigh it. It's bubble-wrapped. I say, do you have a box to fit this? They say, we don't have a box to fit this. But go ahead and just make a box. Just cut up some cardboard that you have or even wrap it really tight in brown paper around the shrink wrap and uh, it'll go go, and it'll cost you uh, just a, a mere pittance of what UPS quoted you. If you know me... You've heard me talk in the past uh, with Mark Dugali, episode uh, 18 or 16, and uh, seeing some of the pictures that I post, I keep cardboard. I hoard cardboard because I use it for, for making stuff on my motorcycle. Templates, um, workspaces, you know, stuff like that. Um, Yeah, so I have I happen to have a lot of cardboard just lying around. And now I got all these dumb extra boxes that I bought for nothing. So basically... Mr. Shu, I wanted to save it for this episode and tell you that your guitar is finally on the way and it didn't cost over $100 to ship it to you. Thank you for waiting this long for it, and I hope you learn to play it. <laughs> I hope it... <laughs> don't just use it to smack a mouse with when you get it. But anyway, that's the story of winning the saddest, saddest winner i the Solstice Slam and his three-month cigar box guitar debacle. All right, let's move on to the next thing. Boy, howdy. It's been warm. Cots, you know, everybody was roasting in their leathers. Uh, WIR a couple of weeks ago, they were roasting in their leathers. Uh, down here, baby, it has been warm. It's been like in the mid to high 70s, which uh, for some of you that are still getting rain and tornadoes, like the people in Wisconsin where it was just warm, <laughs> uh, and probably some of the people up still on the uh, in the Midwest, Um Yeah, nice. Been super nice. But it's warming up, man. It's been getting getting hot. And last week it was like in the 90s and it dropped back down to the 70s. Now it's back up to the like high 80s today. Maybe uh, out in the sun it felt a lot hotter maybe than it really was. But lane splitting galore. I had to split lanes today, so I didn't pass out. But uh, yeah, the last few times I went riding, uh weather was pretty nice. You can tolerate not splitting lanes once in a while, but why would you? You're in California. Um, and B, today, no way, Jose. Uh, had to split lanes all the way. Um, yeah, just splitting lanes like a monkey and trying to keep that airflow going over me. Had to stop for some frozen yogurt. Uh, Fox hashtag Fox Valley leaders. Um, yeah, just trying to get, get out and keep the wind moving over, over me. And it was kind of cool. Cause I, am at Gat of course. So I had a long jacket on and the sun really wasn't that hot. It wasn't baking through the jacket. And then when I went to move, it didn't feel like the normal, like a hair dryer in your face sort of thing. Uh, where all the hot air is like blowing the moisture out of your body. So I guess it wasn't that hot when I was riding. Um, But it has been, and it's been warming up, and it's been hot just standing. When I was standing out in the sun, it was pretty warm. And my neighbor told me, hey, guess what, man? It's going to be like 100 in San Diego next week, like 115 in San Diego. And I was like, holy shit. That means up here we're against the foothills, uh, the San Gabriel Valley um, borders the, 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 uh, you know, the, I forget, these are the San Gabriel mountains. And so it holds in all the heat right here and the air flows through LA. There's like a mostly basin from the, uh, from the ocean to the San Gabriels. It's just like a big pan. And that's why all the, smog likes to hook up and stay out down there and the fogs in the mornings and stuff and then up against these mountains all that wind and hot air and everything just stops and gets still so it's going to be getting warm up here and you need to split lanes in order to not you know to keep yourself cool and to keep your bike cool of course if you have an air-cooled bike and just to feel good you know what i mean and just because it's awesome i got home in I don't know, I think about 20, 15 minutes. What would it took, like, 30 in a car? Half half the time. Half the time, ain't got no time. So listen, why am I bringing all this up? Well, recently on ABC News, thank you, Kat, uh, from Recycle Garage. That's where I first saw this. But then, of course, my wife and my coworkers and everybody else emailed it to me. Hey, you got to talk about this, man. Uh, Somebody on the 210 which is like our freeway here right up against the San Gabriels um they were blocking somebody in a white car was blocking motorcyclists like and the lady that took the video said after like the ninth one i started filming and she got a handful on on video you know she got a, quite a few on video so this person i don't i can't tell if the plate was I don't know. Utah has really bright colors. They're like red and blue or something. Nevada it looks kind of like California, only uh, there's like a usually like a picture in the in the plate, um, and the the letters you can tell are different. You know, so I, I didn't. It was hard to tell where it was from. It kind of didn't look like California, but either way, you don't go riding. You don't go blocking people. A, it's against the California vehicle code. I'm going to pause right here and look that up. I know it's it's uh, right on the DMV's website that you're not allowed to do that. So cute. This article is from 2013 when lane splitting wasn't legislated yet, when it was still just not illegal. Uh, so yeah, anyway, here is the CHP um, website saying, one, lane splitting is not illegal in California. 2. Motorists should not take it upon themselves to discourage motorcyclists from lane splitting. Number 3. Intentionally blocking or impeding a motorcyclist in a way that could cause harm to the rider is illegal. California Vehicle Code 22400. Number 4. Opening a vehicle door to impede a motorcycle is illegal. California Vehicle Code 22517. Never drive while distracted, and you can help keep motorcyclists and all road users safe by checking mirrors and blind spots before changing lanes or turning. So, this person that was, um, just you know, basically impeding the path of the motorcycle or blocking, uh, was it wasn't, wasn't violating uh CVC uh, 22517, but was definitely violating CVC two two four. Zero, zero, because that's intentionally blocking or impeding a motorcyclist in a way that could cause harm to the rider. They were basically swerving like toward them, uh, going out of their way to cross over the double yellow lines and even where the line was broken so that the carpool lane ended. Because see here in California, what we do is we split usually between the carpool lane and the um, next lane, which would be the number two lane. And so we like do it between the number one and two because there's like double yellow lines and like people don't usually drive over that crap unless you're this white car trying to run people over. And it was totally blatant, man. They were like getting close to other cars and like really watched the video going, it was going out of their way to to do it. And and on the 210, that's, that's my freeway. I use that freeway all the time. Never have got, uh, I mean, I've never got Blocked that bad, um my coworker told me that he got blocked the other day, or like he got blocked. He didn't tell me when it happened. He told me the other day that he got blocked, and it was intentional, but it wasn't crazy, like this car like swerving over the line to do it and like going out of their way to block and I said, You know what, I'm sure it's happened to me a couple of times. There's been a couple of times where it feels like people are squeezing you, and they definitely like make it inconvenient on purpose. And what I do in that situation is I'm extra vigilant, extra nice to everyone else around, and don't go out of my way to piss somebody off because they're in, like, this 3,800-pound cage. And if they're trying to block you and be a jerk, the last thing you want to do is, like, start a fight with them or something like that. So the fact that this lady, anyway, saw, like, nine people do it before – her, or saw this car try to block nine people before she finally pulled out her phone. And out here on California freeways, people – Everybody splits unless you're on a really narrow freeway like the 91 when they were doing um construction on it. You really couldn't fit. They they narrowed the lanes. They kept like five lanes on a uh well, they made like five lanes on like a four lane highway basically to add shoulder room. And then they eventually paved that and rewidened the lanes. But, dude, you couldn't really split on the 91 for, for a little bit there. Um, and yeah, so some, some freeways are hairy and I don't split, you know, don't split if you don't fit, blah, 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 all that great stuff. But 210 is wide. The 210 is like crazy wide and, um, lots of room there. And I can't believe that the video of this person, what they were doing and, uh, I don't know. It just bums me out. I'll try and put this on our website, but it's at Los Angeles dot cbslocal.com forward slash the date and then driver blocks lane splitters if you want to look that up online in the search bar that'll probably pop up and I won't have to put it for you um, I mentioned on last week's show that Pikes Peak is coming up Pikes Peak will be here on Monday uh, that is going to be pretty exciting I I can't wait to see. Pike's Peak is one of those things. I'm I'm interested to see what they do social media-wise this year, Um, if they do any live events, if they have live timing, live scoring, um, and all that great stuff. Uh, I mentioned that, well, did I mention at the top of the show that I have a little list of stuff that I was just going to run down, and I was thinking about talking about traction and motors and uh, talking about my favorite sport in the world, flat track, my favorite sport in the world, um, woodchuck shooting um i'm probably not gonna get into that what we're at an hour and almost an hour and 20 right now probably gonna wrap it up probably should talk about um motorcycle podcasters challenge i don't want anybody to forget that we entered it thank you paul and chris for entering for our team for Creative writing, all you got to do as a listener or a show. I think they're still allowing signups until next week when they draw the first letters. There, I think you could probably still get in if you want. There's five shows so far. There's Loud Pipes, uh, Wingman's Garage, Cleveland Moto, Motorcycle Men, and Creative Writing. Um, everybody has a pretty good... Base, but me, since I'm a solo dude, I'll be in Hawaii next week. I'm leaving the day after they call out the numbers, and uh, I, they have a they have another show, the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge podcast. If you go into iTunes and search for that, it's specifically Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge news and updates and stuff like that. I've been listening to that. Um, they have said, you know, you're going to start where they draw the numbers on Wednesday. Apparently, you can't start the challenge until Thursday, which I was going to wait till they drew the letters Wednesday night live, go out and do my run. Hell, even if I had to drive through the night to do it because I'm leaving at the butt crack of dawn on Thursday, I'll be gone until the following Thursday. There's no way that uh, I'll be able to do the first week's challenge over in Hawaii. Guess what? There's a 250 Supermoto waiting for me over there. But I don't know uh, if it's got an odometer on it. So part of the rules is it doesn't matter if you switch back and forth between bikes. As long as you your bike has an odometer and you take a picture of it. And then submit that mileage to the uh, challenge You know, before the show goes live on Wednesdays. Which is 5 p.m. Pacific uh, Pacific standard time. So yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if it has an odometer. I may be just going over there for nothing, but that if, if it doesn't that whole first week, I'm going to be asked out and I'm going to be playing catch up, uh, getting, you can't, you know, you can still do the numbers for, for like bonus points and stuff, but you can't get the full, uh, the full grasp. It's like turning your work, homework in late. You don't get it F, but you don't get full credit. So I may be doing that this first week. Um, second week, I know Paul's going to be around. The second week, I don't know about Chris. His, his leg, he just—it's—it's Mister Sing's time. He just got uh, done with knee surgery. You know, he likes to ride though. But at any rate, uh, I'm looking forward to getting out and riding. I have started. I talked on last week's show, and I think the reboot. I covered it too. I think I left it left it in. All the crap that happened to my bike that I was keeping as like scars of like, uh, you know, I don't know, growing pains, everything, the mirror that busted off during the spooky spokes episode, the, the starter switch that busted off during spooky spokes, the fact that my chain, uh, I don't know why it was so damn tight the other day, um, I just don't know, but I did uh you know some if you're if you're lucky enough to have a swing arm that like mounts on the same pivot as your uh sprocket like your trans sprocket, then you're lucky because you just basically have like imagine like a compass where you draw you have a pencil connected to your little your compass you know what type of compass I'm talking about right that's kind that you uh you draw with map makers will know about this um anyway. You have the point, and then you have this infinite circle that just goes around and around. If your swing arm and your sprocket mount on the same pivot point, well, mine doesn't. My sprocket mounts forward of my swing arm. So imagine concentric circles. And so, therefore, like if my swing arm was like drooping way down and I adjusted my chain tension there, and then all of a sudden I bring it back up it's going to get super tight, like break tight. And then if I compress it all the way, it's going to get even tighter until it loops back around to the spot where it's even again. I don't know if that makes sense to you visually, but that's what I was saying. I think I adjusted it with the swing arm down or with this, you know, with the swing arm fully extended or something, but you are, I mean, you're supposed to adjust it with the uh, center stand down, which means the swing arm would be all the way down. But one of the things I don't think I did the last time I adjusted my chain, I think I just did it lazy way, and I don't think I loosened my brake um, rod. I have a drum brake on the rear. And, dude, all my bikes, drum brakes on the rear. How old is that? Like, what crappy technology? Um, but anyway, yeah, so... I didn't loosen the adjuster and that might be, maybe I pulled one side tighter than the other. It was pivoting side to side, uh, on the adjuster. Um, you know, I'm, I'm working on like a forward to backward and a side to side at that point instead of just getting the axle straight. So I don't know. I'm not hundred percent sure why, but, um, why it was so damn tight, but I've readjusted it. And, uh, Torqued it to spec and everything's good now. Good to go. One thing, too, I went down on my rear sprocket so that I could get better highway. You know, so my little stinky 250 could actually do like 85 and 90 on the freeway. Um, went down a few teeth on the rear sprocket and maybe that threw off like the chain length. um, You know what I mean? A good good thing, a good rule of thumb. I mean, if your chain seems a little bit loose or something, if you pull it and you can't pull it off the teeth, you're good. Like if you can't literally slip it off your sprocket, it's not going to come off you know, while you're riding and bind up and cause you to crash. And especially here's a lesson that I learned from a racer. And this is why I was saying like the swing arm pivot and stuff. And I really didn't care that it was too loose, but it being too tight can, can kind of put a bad load on your engine. But this old racer that I used to listen to would say, take your shock off and, let your suspension just sit down on the bike and then adjust your chain to that because who, we don't care as racers if our chain slaps all over the place. But what we do care is that it doesn't compress all the way and like snap a chain or something. You know what I mean? So I don't know. At any rate, uh, I did it to what my, uh, you know, what the normal procedures are for my bike. So I was like, man, I know I've, I know that I probably didn't loosen the brake adjuster last time and I'm pretty sure that's what it is and I checked my manual to make sure I was like I thought I was supposed to adjust it with the swing uh center stand down and it said yeah do that so that was that I fixed that I got a new mirror um what else have I done I don't know I'd make it a few oh gonna cast tomorrow gonna cast my um put some resin in my little mold I, I have a mold of my old starter button I made a long time ago you wouldn't believe it but um Broke another starter button a long time ago. Made a mold of it. Kept the mold because I figured this might come in handy someday. And um, now that this starter button broke off, it seems to be a thing. They're pretty delicate on these combo switches. And I don't want to go out and buy a whole new combo switch for no reason um, when just the little button that makes contact inside you know, is, is all this broken. So I'm going to cast up some in resin tomorrow. Um, maybe paint it red or like diet red or something. And then wait for that to set, throw it in there. Uh, what else do I need to do? My fork oil, like I mentioned, Cleveland moto. So I'm going to run down and get some motor oil and fork oil. Don't need to rebuild my forks. My forks, the seals and everything are good. So that's great. I mentioned, I think I mentioned on last show that the seals aren't showing signs of leaking or weeping or any of that crap. <clears throat> the seals are pretty good. Um, Aussie Chris, I uh, haven't mentioned Aussie Chris in forever. I'm kind of mishearing from him, but he got this thing called like a Mr. Fork or something like that. That's basically like a spatula to clean your fork seals and you slide it up and down your your uh, stanchion in the seal to get any dirt and grime out of there. And I mean, even one of those, if you have got like a little weepage somewhere and you think it might just be some dirt in there, you could use one of those to find out and clean it out. Hopefully you don't press any dirt into the fork, but um, hopefully it just swipes it out. And I'm just going to redo the oil, drain it and refill it. And uh, my rear shocks are fine. Yeah. Chain. Uh, adjusted and lubed Um, probably do an oil change and adjust the valves and be good to go adjust my cam chain tension make sure just like the valve train and everything is good to go and yeah motorcycle podcaster challenge i'm excited for it all right everybody last thing on my list of notes here i can't believe i made it this far i thought it would be like a 30 minute episode I probably went overboard on some of the blabbage. so forgive me, forgive me. Uh, here's the deal. Last thing I wanted to talk about is the. You ever heard of Kimco? I'm sure you have. Have you ever heard of a grom? I'm sure you have. I just passed one yesterday, riding. Uh, what else? I passed a grom uh, Z125. I just talked about that on last episode. I noticed that I they didn't have fork springs but I think they probably do. They're probably included with the fork tube assembly. You ever heard of the Kimco K-Pipe? Yeah, those got the recall for having GP shift on a crummy little bike. Well, what do all those things have in common? Well, they're 125cc. The Grom is a 125, the Z125 Pro is 125, and the K-Pipe is a 125. Now, there is like a new... Well, I don't know if it's actually new. There's a there's a craze for little bikes, and now Kimco has come out with the Spade One Fifty. Dude, let me just tell you about it. I'm, I love little bikes. I'm doing the stupid podcasters challenge on the Two Fifty, which is the smallest bike that I own. And uh, yeah, I could go lower. The One Fifty, I could go to a One Fifty, and uh, it would still be too big for me. If you know me, you know that I'm too. 2 feet tall Covered in orange hair I look like the world's Hairiest leprechaun Mated with an orangutan And uh, this thing would be awesome But I weigh 725 pounds And I'm 400 years old Go figure Um, This thing The K-Pipe The uh, K-Kimco The K-Pipe Kimco (laughs) That's not what this is This is the Kimco Spade 150 Uh, Seen reviews of it In a couple different places Um this thing looks awesome. It reminds me of a, a Van Van, if you know what the Suzuki Van Van mixed with like a Yamaha SR400, mixed with some of the things. They have an aftermarket here. Um, the company is called MN, MNNTHBX. Could have thought of a better name for your company. But uh, they made some cool, uh, like these accessories that they put on this thing are ridiculously funny because they make it look a little bit like a Moto Guzzi, you know, you don't have the uh transverse V uh hanging out there. You're like, where's the cylinders? Um but it does. It looks like a Moto Guzzi like V7 or you know, one of those classic cafe races it's got drop down bars. If you're familiar with the Sportster 48, and uh nah does the iron have the iron might have mirrors that go down too off like uh these are bar end mirrors though that drop down and not good for splitting lanes um and like this crazy bikini fairing thing up in the front, and so it totally looks like a Moto Guzzi, um the v seven racer sort of, but without like the number plate on the side, but the side covers they are really cool looking they kind of do look like. They're like number plate ready, the way that they're shaped. Um, The back end really reminds me of an SR400, kind of that classic, uh, like, I don't know, not brat seat, but not quite cafe racer seat. The one that I'm looking at, though, does have a bump. So that's an aftermarket seat that goes with that kit. That's why it looks so much like a Moto Guzzi. Um, But yeah, supposedly it's fun to rail around okay I've only read this one interview I guess I should probably read three to get a fair and balanced uh, opinion but this one uh they're given it a 74 out of a 100 points which is a c but they're really they're giving the engine a 16.5 out of 20 which is pretty good it's a it's a 149 cc for a thousand bucks more getting you know 25 more cc's fuel injection all that great stuff i don't know it just seems pretty cool and the st- the styling it's really cool the apparently styling the the design was done in house so they didn't like outsource this to some italian company they like did it themselves so it's pretty cool so they got plenty plenty of experience making small bikes. They still make some of the best-selling scooters. You know, their stuff is, is no joke. And the K-Pipe, I thought, would make a bigger impact than it did when it came over. But, uh... Hopefully this thing does, the Kimco Spade 150. If you haven't yet, go check it out. Uh, oh, dig this too. At, at 2099 it's the best price. It's way cheaper than the Grom or the Z125, uh, $1,000 more than the K-Pipe, which I mentioned. But uh, the extra grand, here's what it gets you. The guy says right here, fuel injection, much more power, a little hidden box under the back seat, a 12-volt power outlet under the Speedo, and as well as this, like, Cafe Racer slash Scrambler slash Moto Guzzi styling, this company, MNNTHBX, oh, it stands for Man in the Box. That's pretty good. That's why they say it. They got uh exhaust. Rear fender eliminator, rear sets, bar end mirrors, clip-ons, this bikini fairing thing, all the stuff that makes it look like a Moto Guzzi. All right, everybody, listen up. That is the end of the show. Want to give you a couple things to do. This weekend, well, this weekend we shouldn't really talk about, but there are a couple third Sunday rides going down. One is the Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club Abbott Kenny kickstands up 11 a.m., Uh, The other one is a third Sunday ride put on Bells on Bikes, which is, pardon me, every other month. They are, uh, check their website for details, bellsonbikes.com or go to Facebook, Bells on Bikes. Um, There's also going to be a couple events at Willow Springs this weekend. There's going to be a flat track race on Saturday and a, what is it, like a vintage racing on Sunday. Um, Hell on Wheels also having their summer scrambles out at Glen Helen on Sunday so happy Father's Day it's a run what you brung so ride out there uh, race, ride home Um, Century Motorcycles Father's Day is having Father's Day party with live bands, raffles Uh, that's down in San Pedro from 10 to 5 Uh, Monday Monday is Ride to Work Day Tuesday there's nothing happening on Tuesday maybe you can email the show on Tuesday Um, when oh no actually Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday it's gonna be Pikes Peak Monday Tuesday Wednesday I think Um, okay Wednesday the live drawing on uh, R-Dub Studios which is the Loud Pipes that will be the drawing first drawing for the Motorcycle uh, Podcasters Challenge of 2017 they're gonna draw the first six letters I'm gonna be there I'm gonna be listening um that thursday the harley stampede that is going to be the pre-born free race at costa mesa speedway it is also going to be let me check my notes i don't want to miss out on this uh no it's not going to be part of it So, anyway, yeah, the Harley Stampede is going to be right before Born Free. It's going to be at Costa Mesa Speedway 22nd. Check that out. Our buddy Chris Wiggins is going to be there. I'm sure Scott from Noise Cycles will be there. And the Warradatta Brothers, Mark Atkins, everybody that we mentioned uh, will be there. Um... Uh the twenty-fourth and twenty-fifth. I couldn't think for a second. I was so blown away by the awesomeness of this event. Born free nine that's going down I forgot to do my segment called show oh no too much other blabbage I didn't have it written down on my nose anyway Born Free 9 is going to be going down I know for sure Scott Jones will be there because Noise Cycles is an invited builder this year Uh, Born Free 9 happening Big Scott from Riders on the Norm is going to be out infiltrating our part of the world over here for Born Free Uh, hopefully he makes it out I'm going to call them and tell them to come out make sure they hit up the harley stampede at costa mesa speedway on the 22nd before hitting up born free on the 24th so 24th 25th it is like the biggest show here on the west coast it's kind of like the one show in portland and mama tried in milwaukee we got born free baby um it is 15 bucks to get in you can just ride in and park and go in there's probably no more grass passes or any of that stuff Uh, the 25th that same Sunday SoCal swap meet it's probably going to be dead because everyone's going to be at Born Free Uh, I don't know when but it says it's Saturday Night Drags the Hell on Wheels Saturday Night Drags are going to be starting up Uh, the uh, Black Girls Ride Coast to Coast ride is happening uh, third third through the 17th of July to check that out. Father's Day, of course, is happening. We shouldn't forget that. Um, And then after that, the Women's Sport Bike Rally is going to be 14th to 16th of July in Big Bear. That's uh, pretty close to this part of the the world. And then Dirtquake USA, the 22nd and 23rd of July. So that should keep you pretty... uh, as far as the west coast that should keep you pretty up to date on what's happening um over in denmark i want to say in horsens there is a festival that happens every august i just went back and listened to some of my old episodes and i mentioned it and i forget what it's called uh but horsens uh it's like a huge rock festival over there and uh I think there's, like, a corresponding bike show or something like that. Um, I forget what's happening in New York. Sturgis, of course, is coming up, but we'll talk about that when it gets a little bit closer. But, yeah, anything happening in your part of the world, anything cool happening in Australia, let me know. Um, anything cool happening uh, that you know about, you know, in your part of the world, let me know. People listen in France, Amsterdam, um, Canada, uh, Holland... And Amsterdam is uh, a city, right? It's not a country. It's like Holland is not a country either. It's the (laughs) Netherlands. God. Uh, So, yeah, anyway, there's a lot of countries that listen and cities in those countries. And so, yeah, we get if you got stuff going on anywhere over uh you know in that part of the world let me know heck we have listeners in korea i think and i don't know all over i should check and see with the stats who's coming in from where anymore but yeah if you're worldwide if you're hearing my voice and um i don't care if your english is terrible uh send us your event we'll pump it up we'll talk about it maybe it'll be a cool story and we'll get to meet you all right that's our show peace Get back on track here, dude. Uh, MN Man, N N T H, the B X Box. Man in the Box. Ooh. Alright. It's not such a stupid name after all. Why did I say that like William Shatner? <laughs>